Man, he is risen. Oh, yes, 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 he is. For those of you not familiar with this age-old tradition, the person up here on Easter Sunday gets up and makes a declaration, he is risen. And those in the congregation respond in affirmation, he is risen indeed. So if you missed the opportunity the first time, I'm going to give you a second opportunity. He is risen. Man, happy Easter, everyone. For those of you I don't know, my name is Kondo. I get to serve as one of the pastors here at Mission Point. And um, for those of you not familiar with Easter, boy, this is like the Super Bowl in the church world. This is the biggest date on the church's calendar because it represents the greatest day in human history. The day when Jesus literally rose up from the dead. Because he did that on one occasion. Man, that gruesome Friday, uh, Jesus was unjustly dragged through a bunch of phony fake kangaroo courts accused of fake crimes he didn't commit. And ultimately, he was sentenced to death by torture on a Roman cross. In in the spiritual realm, by the way, it was a good Friday because that was the day when Jesus voluntarily took the place of sinners and he carried our sin on his shoulders to the cross where he dealt sin and death, the death blow, as he breathed his last. But he's fine. Two days later on Sunday morning, Jesus literally broke up with death. He rose from the dead, overcoming sin and overcoming death and overcoming the grave and overcoming hell and dealing with our eternal sentence. He rose from the grave. That's why we get a little excited on this day when we declare he is risen because he, in fact, is risen indeed. And oh, by the way, if Jesus rose from the dead, That became the ultimate proof that everything he said he would do, he did. Because listen, a lot of people have died. But Jesus rose from the dead to prove that he had succeeded in everything he said he would do. This day represents the most significant event in human history. And because Jesus rose from the dead, that gives us the assurance that in him... Anything is possible. If he can overcome death, y'all, anything is possible in him. That's what Easter is about. If Jesus has risen from the dead, then nothing is too broken that he can't restore it. Because anything is possible in him. No one is too far gone that he can't return them. Because anything is possible in the person of Jesus Christ. Nothing is too insignificant that he cannot make greatness out of it. Because nothing is impossible in the person of Jesus Christ. No resistance is too great. Some of us may have shown up here with a little bit of resistance. And I just want to tell you because he rose from the dead. No resistance is so great that Jesus can't turn it into surrender. No cynicism is too deep that he cannot somehow wrestle it into faith and belief in him. Nothing is impossible with the person of Jesus Christ. Nothing is so dead that he can't speak it back to life again. No one is too messed up that he can't give them fresh purpose because he rose from the dead. In fact, I came to announce this Easter Sunday to somebody that nothing in you is too far gone. In fact, we're going to see a simple picture of that this morning because I don't know if you knew, but when Jesus rose from the dead, he didn't just secretly escape and head back to heaven. He actually hung out on earth for about 40 days um, in what I like to think of as the resurrection tour. And he made a number of different stops. And this morning we get to peer in on one of Jesus' stops on the resurrection tour, just showcasing what is now possible because he's risen from the dead. If you have a copy of the Bible, let's go right to work. John chapter 21. We're going to start reading at verse number 1. John chapter 21, 
starting at verse number one. If you don't have a copy of the Bible, the verses are going to appear on the screen um, in front of you, whether it's here in the room or uh, on the screen that you may be joining us through. John chapter 21, verse 1. Afterwards, Jesus has risen from the dead in all of his resurrection, swag and glory and whatnot. He appeared again to his disciples by the sea of Galilee. It happened this way. John says, okay, but let me back up. Give you some context. He says in verse 2, Simon Peter, Thomas, known as Doubting Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, James and John, often referred to as the sons of thunder. And two other disciples were all together. So here's the picture. Seven of 11 of Jesus' disciples were hanging out one day because the 12th, Judas, he wasn't with them any, anymore. Um, seven of the 11 disciples, you know, the disciples who had bailed on Jesus on that Friday in his greatest hour of need. Yeah, those guys, they were hanging out one day. You know, the, the seven of the 11 disciples, those dudes who would hold up in, in a little house, you know, hiding in fear that what had happened to Jesus might happen to them while Jesus' body cooled in the grave. Those guys, those sellouts, those guys. Anyway, they're hanging out together by the Sea of Galilee one time. Verse 3. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, "Eh, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. (laughs) Man, I read this story again, and I'm not going to lie to you. I felt this flood, this rush of sadness when I read this Verse. This is such a tragic, sad scene, at least it is to me. Now, I remember I went fishing uh, with some friends a, a, a few years ago. Uh, this one particular friend had been asking me to go fishing for so long, and like I just kept saying no and like making excuses. And after a year, I just ran out of excuses. So I had to go with him. And so we went 5:30 in the morning. Who does that to someone they care about? But we did. We went out, you know, in a boat. Um, Went out fishing. Now, again, one of the reasons I didn't want to go fishing was because A, fishing sounded dumb to me. And B, fishing sounded like it just was like this oversimplistic, like unfair, like fishing. So easy a caveman can do it. So for me, I was like, what's the challenge? Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. You go, you know, you, you, you sit in a boat. Uh, you pretend to be a nice person, you know, who's feeding the fish. And the fish are like, oh, look, food. And they come, gotcha. You know, you yank those things out right as they realize a little too late that oh, our intentions were a little bit soiled, whatever. That just seemed like wrong and just seemed a little bit too easy. But anyway, we went out fishing. And on that day, we spent four hours Okay, it was a weird day, first of all. Like the wind was a little windish or something. I don't know. Like I'm guessing it was like the day after fish Thanksgiving and all the fish were just super full. None of them were hungry, you know. So it was weird. It's just an off day, okay? So we didn't catch anything. Four hours of my life wasted. But a little bit, just a piece of my, 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 my man feelings were hurt. And I was like, you know what? No, I need to go back and redeem myself. So we went fishing again a second time. This time I'm like, I'm going to try this time. You know, I'm going to get this because a baby can fish, right? So we went this second time to fish. And um, well, the way the story ends is really not important. We're so result oriented. The point I'm trying to make to you is when I read that they fished all night and caught nothing. I felt that, man. Um, I felt that, especially for these professional fishermen who fished all night and they caught nothing. That has to be frustrating and super embarrassing. Y'all are pros. Um, And fishing is easy, whatever. But their fishing fail was not what was sad when I reread this story. Um, 
What was so sad to read was not the fact that they didn't catch any fish. What was sad to read was the fact that they were fishing at all. Um, It was especially sad to read Peter say, I'm going fishing. Ah, that was sad. Peter going fishing. All right, let's flash back a little bit. We'll flash back a few times back and forth between the present day and two weeks before. But anyway, let's flash back a little bit, a few years back. Because I don't know if anyone remembers the day when Peter, a professional fisherman, hang up his fishing business. Oh, it was a night just like this one. He and his fellow professional fishermen had fished all night and it must have been the day after fishgiving because they caught nothing. And as they're licking their wounds in frustration after this, you know, empty outing, Jesus stood there and suggested, go try again. I imagine it kind of rolled their eyes where well, you're a teacher. You don't know, you're, you know, we're the professional fishermen. But you, and they resolved, but because you say so, they went out fishing again. And they caught so much fish that it began to sink their boat. They couldn't handle the amount of fish they caught because Jesus had said so. And on that Their most profitable day in all of their fishing careers. Peter, hang up the fishing business. He gave it up to follow the one who apparently can call fish to jump into nets. This is Luke chapter 5 verse 8 flashback. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken in. And so were James and John. Ooh, there they are, the sons of Zebedee, often referred to as the sons of thunder. They were there too because they were Simon's partners. Their fishing business partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From this day forward, from now on, you will fish for people. I am repurposing your life. So they pulled up their boats on shore, left everything and followed Jesus. Come work for me, Jesus said. So Peter immediately retired from his fishing fish business and went into the fishing people business, fishing people into the kingdom of life. Gave away all of his fishing stuff, shut down his website, whatever. Like, canceled his contract with Red Lobster. I don't know what he did. Whatever. He followed Jesus. And yet, I read John chapter 21. And Peter is fishing. That was sad to me. More than that, does anyone remember, um, flashback, when Jesus told Peter that, that he wouldn't just fish for men, but that he would actually lead a global movement. He would actually build a global movement with Peter leading it. Matthew chapter 16, verse 17, Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, that's Peter, son of John or Jonah, for this thing that you just said was not revealed to you by flesh and blood. No, this was divine revelation, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. I am repurposing you. And on this rock, not only will you fish for men, but I will build a movement called the church. And the gates of Hades will never be able to stop this global wave, this global movement. It will not be able to overcome it. Jesus not only calls Peter to fish for men, he calls him to lead a global movement that will bring eternal life to millions and millions and millions for generations and generations to come. And we are still riding this wave. 
I turn to John chapter 21, and it raises a sad question. Why is our boy back to fishing? For fish. And you notice, he's not just fishing for fish. He's leading his partners back to fishing for fish. A little movement of fishermen who Jesus had called to be global revolutionaries. I don't even know where he got all the fishing stuff from. Like storage unit, did he buy it back at sea? I don't even know. All I know is Peter is going fishing again. Sad. Why is our boy back to fishing? You know what I think happened? I think you know what happened. In fact, some of you were here when we, you know, in a series called Flawed, we we focused on Peter. If you'd like to learn a little more about him, I'd encourage you to, to find that in the archives somewhere. But you know what I think happened? Let's flashback again. Because I don't know how many of you remember that Peter had a really bad Good Friday. It did not go well for him. Ah, First of all, no matter how many times Jesus tried to tell Peter that I must die, Peter was living in total denial. Not on my watch, you're not going to die. Um... That is not going to happen. Nope, not on my watch. Jesus, you're my bestie. In fact, Peter went so far as to tell Jesus, like, I'm I'm Kevin Costner. I'm I'm your bodyguard. Like, I'm, I'm your blind side, Jesus. Like, I'm your ride or die. Nothing is going to happen. Listen, they can take me, but no one's going to touch you. They can kill me, but no one is going to hurt you. And Jesus said, Peter, forget dying for me, man. You are going to deny knowing me by the end of tonight. By the end of tonight. Before the rooster crows, you would deny knowing me three times. What? I swear. I'll die before I deny. Die before deny. There's no way. I'm your guy. You're my friend. I will do anything to protect you. There's no way. I swear. I would never, never, I would never later that night. Luke chapter 22, verse 54, then seizing him, Jesus that is, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. Okay, Mr. Blindside. Verse 55. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight, and she looked closely at him. Hmm. This man was with Jesus. By the way, it's so fascinating that Luke goes out of his way to make sure we know this is a servant girl. That's his way of letting us know she is the absolute lowest conceivable status in that cultural context. She's a kid, she's a girl, And she's a servant, meaning her voice carries zero weight. No one cares what she has to say except Mr. Bold Peter, apparently. But he denied it, verse 57. Woman, I don't know him, he said, which is just funny to me. Woman, she's a little girl. But you know, when you get flustered and you're trying to lie and you just start exaggerating and you start saying bigger stuff, ma'am. How dare you? (laughs) I'm a little girl, man. Relax. But Peter's flustered. He's freaking out a little bit. Verse 58. A little later, someone else saw him and said, Hmm. hmm. You also are one of them. Man, dude, sir. I'm not. Peter replied, Come on, man. Verse 59. About an hour later, another asserted, Certainly for sure, though, this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Yep, same skin, same tan, same like little Galilean cologne that they wear, same swag. You were with him. Peter replied, man, dude, sir, bro. Psh. I don't know what you're talking about, Willis, right? <laughs> Nothing to do with it. 
just as he was speaking. That was a rooster crowing. <laughs> oh, man. I'm taking that on the road. <laughs> oh boy anyway the rooster crowed that's the point verse 61 the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter I can't imagine the emotion of that moment then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him before the rooster crows today you will disown me three times and he went Outside and wept bitterly. A rough good Friday for Peter. He was crushed. He was devastated. All that big talk and everything he had sworn to Jesus. He was crushed. This is why it was so sad to read in John chapter 21 that Peter was going fishing. I can't help but believe he just knows Jesus is done with me. Jesus has canceled his calling on my Life. I was the chosen one. Man, he was my friend. I was supposed to lead a global revolution. My life was supposed to matter. I was supposed to make a difference. And I messed that whole thing up on Friday. I'm done. The only thing I'm good for is to go back to what I knew. The thing that's safe. The thing that's familiar. And so Peter went fishing. I'm going fishing. Which made me think, I wonder on this Easter Sunday if you can relate to Peter even just a little bit. That thing you swore on your life you would never do, you did it. In fact, you're still doing it. That thing you promised her you would never do again. You did it. (laughs) The thing you never thought you would let into your marriage. You opened the door. And now it's apart. That thing you never thought you would put into your body. And now you can't stop. I wonder if anyone can relate to Peter on this Easter Sunday. That place you never thought your life would be. Look around you. You're there now. It's where you're at. I wonder if you can relate. Oh, you had so much promise you had so much potential you remember when you dreamed you remember when the spirit of the living God whispered this calling into your soul and then you messed it up and he can't use you now because now you're a failure and now he's canceled the calling he had on your life. I wonder if you can relate to Peter feeling like you blew it and there's just nothing and you're relegated to this second class life and you've got to make the most out of the fishing that you know because that's all you get. People even ask you like, what happened to your passion, bro? What happened to your world-changing ministry? You used to talk about making a difference so often we couldn't shut you up about it. Didn't you used to be special? You don't even go to reunions anymore because people might ask you. Because they remember. Wait a minute. Didn't you say even in the yearbook about how you had dreams of being used by God and, and being somewhere making. What happened to you? I wonder if you can relate in any way. To Peter. You feel like a fraud. And people don't even know the half of the stuff. 
that you've done. So you've given up. You've gone back to what's safe. You are trying to live what's familiar. Now you're here today in church because it's a special Sunday, but oh man, you normally won't be found in church. Now you say it's because you hate organized religion, but come on, be honest. It's that you feel like he couldn't possibly want anything to do with someone like you. And if the church knew the kind of things you struggled with, we would never accept you. So you keep your distance and you blame everyone else for it. I just wonder if anyone can relate to Peter. Nothing wrong with the job you're in now, but you know it's a far cry from what he called you to do. Remember when you dreamed I wonder if you can relate to Peter. Remember when you couldn't go three days without sharing Jesus with somebody? It just, it just spilled out of you. You couldn't stop talking about him. But now you've messed up so bad and you feel like, what right do I have to talk about Jesus to anybody after what I've done, after the mess that I've made? Remember when you had the confidence to lead your family and talk to them about Jesus? Now you feel like, I'm just not that kind of dad, you know, who talks about, I'm just, I, I like to just be quiet. But the reality is you are steeped in the shame of knowing that your family knows what you did. You don't get to say Jesus around here anymore. I wonder if you can relate to Jesus, uh, to to Peter in this regard. Like, and for some of us who feel like, man, I've just messed up as a parent. I've messed up my kids and now they have no chance and our future is just going to be therapy bills because that's it. I wonder if you can relate to Peter. What right do you have to start that business to help kids? Might as well go fishing. Can you relate to feeling like you've messed up so badly and your life is not what you hoped or dreamed that it would be? Can you relate to feeling like you are too far gone, that it's too late for you? Jesus could never use you now. He's canceled his calling. You are unwelcome. You are uninvited. Can you relate to Peter? I hope so. I hope so. Because Jesus' resurrection tour, (laughs) it's looking for people like you. Jesus rose from the dead. And by the way, I still find it mind-boggling that Jesus rose from the dead and he spent 40 days on the planet and he wasn't on a revenge tour? Like you seriously didn't spend your day going after everyone who sold you out and everyone who unjustly treated you? No, he was on a restoration tour. He was looking for people who felt like, let me remind you, anything is possible because I rose from the dead. I don't know what you've heard, but Jesus didn't rise from the dead to go looking for people who've made it. (laughs) He's looking for people who missed it and messed it up. Because in him, anything is possible. He's looking for the people who feel like, all I can do is fish. What else do I have the right to do? He's looking for the unsure. He's looking for the insecure. He's looking for the resigned. Those people who feel like, I don't belong in church. I deserve to have my calling completely canceled by the person of Jesus. I fell off the wagon so royally, I think it only makes sense to just go back to drinking. That's all I am. The resurrection tour is looking for people like you. I got pregnant too soon, so there goes my dream. The only kind of relationship I deserve after the stuff I've done is this dysfunctional nonsense that I'm constantly in the midst of because that's what I'm worth and that's what I deserve and that's all I deserve. And I'm saying the resurrection tour is looking for stops like that. He's looking for people who feel like they've made too much of a mess to be used. All they can do is what is safe because what is sensational is out of the question. I'm saying if you can relate to Peter in any way, happy Easter, y'all. The resurrection tour is looking for people 
like you? Do you believe that? So, uh, while Peter and his boys are reeling from this frustration of a failed fishing trip, uh, verse 4, back to the present day, John chapter 21. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. (laughs) The Bible is so good. Jesus showed up in the place of their resignation. And he just stood there. Oh, somebody needs to know. Oh, no, 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 no. He's coming after you. That's Easter. No matter how far you think you've run or how severely you think you've messed up or how resigned you feel, he comes looking for you. And oh, he knows exactly where to find you. What a beautiful picture. Jesus is just standing there on the shore. They didn't even recognize that it was him. But somebody, that's what this Easter service is about. An announcement that Jesus is standing in the place where you resigned. Will you recognize him? Jesus is a trip, by the way. He just stood there. You rose from the dead, Jesus. And you just stand there like no like flashes of lightning around you. Like no entourage of angels. Nothing. No, Jesus, just stand there, super ordinary looking and super missable. And I'm talking to you because you've been waiting for some big flash, some epic church feeling. And I'm telling you, no, Jesus is here. No matter how badly you think you've messed up, he has come to you. He is here in this space or wherever you happen to be tuning in from. He is here, super missable. They can be like, oh, I was hoping for something bigger and more flashy. And so it wasn't there. No, he comes in beauty and in simplicity. Um, I don't know how far you think you've gone. But you need to know. You are never waiting on him. He's standing waiting on you. He's here. He already came after you. He's just waiting on you to recognize him. Uh, Verse 5. He called out to them. Friends. um, Haven't you any fish? My word. Doesn't Jesus just do that sometimes? Hey, how's your plan working out for you? <laughs> this is so great. Hey, oh, uh, how's it working out writing your own story? Hey, how, how's it going trying to make life work without me? Hey, this is so cool. Have you found what you're looking for? (laughs) Come on, Jesus. Woo. Hey, how's life going over there in the lane called safe? How's familiar working? (laughs) How's it going? I love this question. It amazes me. Uh, Jesus will stand on the shore and just wait for a little while. While we flounder in our attempts to make life work without him. And he's just like, all right, I'm waiting for y'all. You're not waiting for me. I'm waiting for you. And every now and then he'll whisper, hey. Is your heart content with these dysfunctional relationships? Hey, I know you're making lots of money, but are you feeling the contentment of purpose? Hey, how's it working out? Because I'm waiting for you. Verse 5. He called out to them. Friends. 
Have you any fish? And by the way, if we had 17 extra hours, we would talk about this moment right here. Friends! And we could pray and dismiss. Friends, he says. Hey, friends. Like, wait a minute. Aren't these the dudes who sold you out? Aren't these the dudes who bailed on you in your, 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 your hour of greatest need? Aren't these the people who've messed up so bad? Hey, friends. Some of you have been running so far and so fast from Jesus. Like, there's no way he would want anything to do with me. It's like, hey, friend. Friend. No way. Not after. Hey, friend. I love this. Anyway, we don't have time for that. So, (laughs) I love this. No. (laughs) Oh, they answered. We didn't catch anything, Jesus. No, it's not going great. No, there's no joy here. (laughs) We're making so much money, but our hearts feel so empty. Oh my goodness, we keep getting high, but nothing feels right in life. No, it's not going great, Jesus, trying to make life work without you. No, it's not going great. Can I just tell you, by the way, this is the best response you could possibly give Jesus. No, it's not working well without you. No, there's no depth of joy and richness of life without you. No, it's not going well. Um, And by the way, Because if it is going great, and you are just catching fish and deeply content in your heart and in your purpose, then you don't need the resurrection tour. This ain't for you. And I'm sorry, that's true, that this morning I didn't come to talk to everybody. I came to talk to those of you who feel like I've messed up too badly. Those of you who feel like, man, I've resigned and I'm settling right now. Those of you who feel like there's no way God would use me anymore. Those of you who feel like my calling is canceled. Those of you who feel like I messed up my little children a little too badly. Those of you who feel like I just can't stop. And Jesus asked a simple question. How's it going? And Jesus wants a simple answer. It's not going great. And our tendency is, no, no, it's not going great, Jesus, but we're going to push out a little further. Get our backs into it. Our man feelings have been hurt, so we're going to come and try again because this should be easy. We should be able to make it work. Yesterday was just fish skipping, so it was a fluke. But we'll come back tomorrow and we'll try. No, it's like, no, it's not working. We're not, no, no. I love this. This is the best response. It's not working. Verse 6. He said, this is great. Um, Throw your net on the right side of the boat as opposed to the left side of the boat. And you will find some fish there. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. By the way, can I just tell you, whatever Jesus says to you, do that. Whatever you sense the spirit of the living God whispering to you this morning, do that. It doesn't matter how awkward it feels. It doesn't matter how hard it might be to explain to your kids on the way home. It doesn't matter how strange it may work in the world of practicality. Whatever Jesus might say, do that. Because I read this and I'm like, huh? Okay. You're telling me, Jesus, that the whole night their problem was that they had the net on the left side of the boat as opposed to the right side of the boat. So if they had just moved the net on the right side of the boat, that doesn't seem practical. That the difference is just which side of the boat the net is on. But the difference has nothing to do with which side of the boat the net is on. It has to do with who said it. The difference is not what you do. The difference is who called you to it. And if he calls you to be a fisher person, you better fish like crazy because he called you to it. I'm just saying, whatever he says, as awkward as it might be, just go with it. They did. They did. But what struck me about this scene here was the thing that Jesus loves to do and the thing I believe he wants to do with many of us this morning. It's how Jesus loves to start again. How Jesus loves to offer do-overs. Oh man, somebody needs one of those. 
How Jesus loves to offer clean slates. Let's start over. That's what struck me up. Because here he is. And he's inviting Peter in particular, but these guys as well. Let's start over. No matter what you've done, no matter how badly you've messed up, let's start over. Because I'm sorry, but did anyone notice how eerily similar this calling on Peter's life resembles the calling that Peter experienced three years before? Wasn't it a night just like this where Peter had a failed fishing trip and then Jesus came and he said, hey, try this. And then Peter tried it and then he caught a bunch of fish. Jesus is saying, that thing I did, I'm doing again because let's start over. I'm not done with you. In fact, I came to show up to invite you. Let's clean slate. Let's do this thing again because Jesus rose to offer fresh chances do overs to anyone who needs one as many times as you need one you just need to be willing to do what Jesus says on his terms I love this and it still trips me out that Peter still doesn't get it and that's many of us you come to church service as a church service I'm like wait don't you recognize that Jesus is calling you back and that's stirring your sensing in your soul that you haven't experienced for 16 years he's coming back and saying let's start over let's do this thing over the question is will you recognize it Peter it took him a minute then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, and the disciple whom Jesus loved is John, who wrote this account of the story, trying to be humble. But he says, it is the Lord. It is the Lord. Because sometimes you need somebody to be like, hey, I think it may be Jesus. Because Peter didn't see it. And for some of you, if you are not careful, Jesus is so super missable. And you might miss the fact that he's inviting you to start over. He's offering you a clean slate. So I pray that I can play the role of John in your story this morning by saying, it's the Lord. If you're sensing this stirring, like I, I, need, to, I, I need to return, I need, I need to come back to him. It's, it's, it's the Lord. He says, it's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off, which is kind of weird. But then... He jumped into the water. You know, if we're at 17 hours, we would talk about another time, deja vu, flashback when Peter jumped in the water to come after Jesus. This is a do-over. While the other disciples stayed in the boat. The other disciples followed in the boat. Because again, you need some practical friends who are like, but the fish, you know. Um, And they're towing the net full of fish. For they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. <laughs> Which I read, I'm like, I just must be a terrible swimmer. Because that sounds like a very long way. Um, this is so amazing a picture. That if you've messed up, and you feel unworthy, you feel unusable, you feel like life is not working. May I announce to you, it may be the Lord. Fred, are you done running and all of that stuff yet? And it may take a service like this or a moment like this for you to hear. It's the Lord. He's inviting you to start over. And I dare you to jump. Verse 9. When they landed... (laughs) The Bible is amazing. And Jesus is even better. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. (laughs) Stop it. What? No. Yes. Apparently this is true. What? Stop it, Jesus. You mean you had what we needed the whole time? Yep. Fish, fire, food, bread. What? So the thing we've been running around and working all night to try and... Hey, I had it. I had it the whole time. 
So I messed up so badly and I've been spending so much of my life trying to fix it and trying to make it. I, I got it taken care of. I, I had it. But I thought that maybe if I did this, I could fix it and make you proud. No, I went to the cross and I rose from the grave to fix it and take care of it. I got it. But you're telling me, I got it. I've just been waiting for you to come eat with me. Hey, friend, I got it. Whatever your soul needs, I already have it. I love this beautiful picture. I was just waiting on you to recognize me and come on over. I love this. Whatever you're looking for apart from Jesus, he already has it and is waiting on you. I was so tempted to title this sermon. Can you smell what the rock is cooking? <laughs> no, never mind. It's just ridiculous. But um, <laughs> thank you. At least one person. You're my friend forever. Thank you. Man. Some of us have been running and trying to fix ourselves and clean ourselves up and, and earn the Lord's love and the Lord's favor. If I can just long enough and maybe one day, he's like, oh, I took care of everything. I am just waiting on you to recognize me and come and sit for a moment. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you just caught. Slash, I just caught technicalities. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. Apparently, they took the time to count. But even with so many, the net was not torn. A little mini miracle there when you do what Jesus says. Jesus says to them, come and have breakfast. Oh, man, I love that. This is Jesus. Come. And have breakfast. If we had a thousand hours, we'd talk about the fact that Jesus doesn't condemn them. He doesn't rub their face in their mistake. He doesn't talk about their failures. He doesn't tell them how they bailed out. He doesn't even demand like you've got to apologize to me. He come and have breakfast, friends. That's what he's saying to you. I took care of everything. All you need to do is come and eat. Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Just like some of you do. Peter, don't say anything. Don't mess this up. Verse 13. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them. He served them. And, and he did the same with a fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Jesus serves them breakfast. I don't know what picture you have of Jesus. He's just waiting on you. I have stuff to serve you. I have this feast for us to enjoy together. And I don't need anything you have to bring. But sure, bring what you have. Not because I need it, but because I actually want to not just eat with you, but to partner with you. Let's work together. Come and eat breakfast. Man, forget the last supper for a moment. I just don't think we talk enough about the last breakfast. When Jesus made breakfast for a bunch of people who had bailed on him. How Jesus wanted to eat with a guy who said, I don't know him. No condemnation. No, like, promise me you never mess up again. No. Just come and eat with me. I've taken care of everything because it's you I want. But we messed up. I know. Come on. I took care of that. But I don't feel worthy. I know. I took care of that too. But I've messed. I know. I've provided everything needed for you. And I rose from the grave. To bring it to you. This is such a powerful picture. When they had finished eating. Jesus said to Simon, Peter, Simon, son of John, and team, can, you can come out. We're going to sing a closing song. Just 
give you an opportunity to jump, give you an opportunity to respond, give you an opportunity to return, give you an opportunity to believe that Jesus in all of his easy to missness is here and inviting you to come back. He has supplied everything possible and everything you could possibly need to come and live fully in him. Jesus said to Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you, Jesus said. Then feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. This is so beautiful. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him the third time, do you love me? Jesus said, feed my sheep. This is such a powerful moment of restoration on the resurrection tour. And I believe Jesus wants to do the same for so many of us if we're willing to come. And I love the beautiful poetry and the restoration and the deja vu of this moment. Because Peter, you denied me three times. And I'm going to ask you three times. This is not for my benefit. This is for your benefit. So when the devil tells you that you are still useless and you are still worthless, you'll be reminded of the three times I said, yeah, I know what you did and I still have a calling on your life. Go take care of my business. This is such a powerful restaurant. But I messed up. I know the calling is not canceled. Feed my sheep. But who am I to raise these children? I know, but I've supplied everything you could possibly need. Get back to work. And for anyone whose dream has died, may I speak resurrection over that thing and remind you, Jesus is still calling you to make a difference in this world for him. Just come on, friend. Come eat with me. Come eat with me as often as you want. And then in the power of my resurrection, go out and do the thing I've called you to. Go feed my sheep. There's nothing wrong with fishing, Peter, but fishing was not what I called you to do. Go feed my sheep. The calling is not canceled. I don't know who believes like Jesus is done with me. He he, he will never look on me again. No, he's saying, friend, come and eat with me. I don't know who believes like I messed up, you know, six years ago. And the thing he called me to when I was 14 no longer applies. I would suggest to you, he might be saying to you, don't get back to work. Stop wallowing in self-pity. Stop making excuses. Stop blaming me for why I've taken care of everything. I'm just inviting you. Come on back. Resurrection stops at your life today. If you're willing to come. So even as we sing this song, I just pray you would respond to whatever the Spirit might be stirring in you. This doesn't have to be flashy. And for some of you, truly, you've not sang meaningfully in a church service in years. You're still holding back your little like snooty and a little bit like, you know, organized religion, whatever. You're standing at a distance and you're you're being, I don't know what. And this may be the moment for you to be like, I'm raising my hands, man, and I'm just coming back. I'm saying, I don't care what anybody has to say. Jesus, you've made provisions and I'm running back to you. Take me, use me. I am all in. I'm just saying, you're going to have an opportunity. Come running to him. He's made it possible.